and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Happy July! I hope you're having a lovely week so far. I'm in sunny Brighton next week so I'm prepping for that, don't worry, and for next week's episode you can picture me on a beach for the day, sipping tinnies and relaxing whilst you listen to my monster of the week. This week though, I must say is a weird one. I'm really excited to cover it because it is so bizarre. But we're heading over to ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia for this one. It is the long-necked leopard, the serpapod. Yes, it's exactly that. The serpapod is generally described as a usual-sized lioness that come in about four foot in regards to us usually. However, the feature that makes them weird is up to a 20-foot-long neck like a serpent. And this has a full feline face at the end, with glowing red eyes, massive fangs, and a full mouth of other sharp teeth. Contrary to their namesake, they do actually look most like lions rather than leopards, as they don't have spots. However, they do have some kind of remnant of the spots on their lower bodies, but usually it's reported that they are half lion, half snake. They do also have ears and fluffy tails like lions, And of course, snakes do not have ears, so they are definitely more lion than they are serpent. But the neck is obviously a massive feature that we do have to talk about too. The neck has no snake-like markings, and honestly, just kind of looks more like a long-necked lion more than anything else. It's not distinctly serpentine in any way that it is. It is, of course, mostly muscle, but it doesn't look slimy or anything like that, and it does have fur on it. In terms of powers, they don't really have anything specifically. They are just like normal big cats, with predatory natures, of course. However, I guess they have the bonus of being able to act like periscopes when looking for prey. Leopards and lions are known to be extremely agile pack predators, and considering that serpapods are considered to be lionesses rather than lions, it backs up the idea that they are the natural hunters, and actually the chosen hunters for their packs. Scholars believe that these would have eaten the same prey as these normal big cats, such as antelope, gazelle, zebras, and wildebeest. Now, of course, being pack animals, they are known to live in large groups. And whilst a pride of lions would usually have an alpha that has all reproductive rights, it seems that serpapods are a little bit more liberal with this. And you can tell if they found their match and their little mate if they intertwine their long necks together, which makes me want to be sick. I really don't like the idea of it. It's a really odd image. But in terms of description, that's about all there is. They are not particularly interesting in regards to this. The most interesting thing is that they are lions with snake necks. And that's about all there is to them. However, in terms of etymology... I'm actually more curious as to what you think I might say on this one, because it's exactly what it says on the tin. It's a hybrid of the words leopard and serpent. That's about it. 
Why they didn't choose the lion is beyond me, and it's curious in terms of its location too. Although Serpa Lion or Serpalion doesn't really have the same ring and mystic to it as Serpapard, I suppose. But it doesn't sound particularly ancient Egyptian. It feels like a hybrid of words put together in a westernised way. But there is no ancient Egyptian or Egyptian word for this. It is just what it is. It's an interesting one for this week. But I hear you cry. Erin, it's called a Serpapard. They must have known about leopards. Why have they chosen lions for the way they look? Now, a fun fact that I didn't know, and I will say this probably is common knowledge, but I didn't think of this, but there are leopards within the Arabian Peninsula, and they are called the Arabian Leopard. Although, of course, they are critically endangered, which makes me very sad. Now, it might just be me, and this is the thing, it might just be me, but I thought leopards were more like South American. I really associated them more with jaguars in my head. So this actually surprised me. I did not know they were common in Africa. But they're really common in South Africa. And they're just not as common as the lion. So that's a fun fact if you didn't know that. For this monster's history though, it's a bit all over the place. Because there are so few reports of it. The only record we have of the serpapard at all is from images on pottery that we've recorded to be from around 3500 to 3000 BC, which is during the pre-dynastic period in ancient Egypt. So putting that into a context that we as Westerners are more familiar with in the Egyptian history, the first pharaoh was installed in 3100 BC. So it predates a lot of the history that we're taught at school, especially over here in the UK. At this time in history though, Egypt was split into two halves, split by the Nile, Upper and Lower Egypt, and it was only the creation of the pharaoh role that unified the two into what it is today as modern Egypt. The Egyptians were also well known for their inventions throughout this period, and worshipped some of their main gods that we know of now. However, they are also very well known for being the most accurate civilization anciently when describing animals which is why this monster even comes up, because historians are actually convinced this did exist because of the Egyptians' record of accuracy, which I think is crazy cool. This monster is noted to be from ancient Egypt, but it's also sometimes thought of as a Mesopotamian monster. The ancient Egyptians had a really good trading relationship with the ancient Mesopotamians, around 4000 to 3100 BC, which is where a lot of their history overlaps. Of course, geographically they're very close to each other, we're talking very much the Middle Eastern countries, and Egypt is right there. But you can see this in their art and architecture from the time, and even in modern day architecture, you can see the influence that Egyptians had on Mesopotamia. Of course, we can see where this ended, it's 3100 BC and that is the installation of a pharaoh within Egypt, which makes some sense. But they did have a massive influence on each other, including taking across some of their legendary monsters too. Now, speaking of legendary monsters, a really important one to mention with the Serpapard is the griffin. It's a really beloved bird-lion monster within world mythology, and is used left, right and centre in modern media. These two are important to link together 
because they were known to be the guardians of kings or, of course, the pharaohs in ancient Egypt. Whenever you see these two together in architecture, it means that they were adorned on something really special to the ruler at the time, which is another really cool thing to be associated with. And of course, we will cover the griffin at another time. It's a really in-depth monster, so we've got to take advantage of it. So I won't go too much into it here. And this, of course, does make sense with the look of the serpapod, because it is half lion, as is the griffin. But why is this so important? Well, it's because lions are associated with royalty and power. If you look at any coat of arms of royalty, you'll most likely see a lion somewhere. It's why the national animal of England is a lion, why our football teams are lions and lionesses, and I could sing three lines on the shirt, but I'll get in trouble over licensing, I'm sure. It's a great song. But this imagery is super important in ancient mythology, and to have two hybrid lion creatures carved into your throne is pretty special. But what about the snake bit? Or, in fact, the bird bit of the griffin in relation to Egypt? Well, birds are sacred to Ra, the king god in ancient Egyptian religion, so griffins are an easy one to explain. But what about the snake? Snakes were associated with immortality in ancient Egypt, as well as protection and royalty and respect. Nothing like the sly, slimy creatures we associate with them now. So again, it makes sense to have them merged with lions. Pharaohs typically had a snake at the front of their crowns too. This was called the Uraeus snake, and it was holy to the snake goddess Wajet. Now, she is the patron of the Nile, and so is a really important god, and is associated with life and prosperity, because bear in mind, all life came from the Nile in Egypt. But it was also a symbol of sovereignty, and how she would approve of the pharaoh's rule, as she was one of the earliest gods in their pantheon. So to wear a snake on your crown back then was a true honour. In terms of real comparisons here, they are a hybrid monster, so of course we can just relate them to their respective halves. And honestly, for mythical comparisons, there's nothing quite like it. It's super unique in the way it looks, and the only ones I can think of really that come close other than the griffin is the Kutzlang from South Africa, which is elephant and snake hybrids, or the basilisk or cockatrice, which are French European monsters that are snakes and chickens but that's about all I can think of. There is a snake monster within Egyptian mythology called Apep, who is a, basically a god and the embodiment of chaos within ancient Egyptian mythology. But of course, he'll be covered in another episode. As I said last week, ancient Egyptian stuff is quite tricky because there are just so few monsters. So we'll see what happens. Now onto modern media, for obvious reasons, there just aren't any this week, and honestly, I've really struggled to find anything that suits them too. So I've kind of gone with the trope of mix and match monsters or hybrid monsters with this one. So you may be thinking, Erin, this doesn't have anything like the Serpapod in, but it will have a hybrid monster. Sorry, I don't have anything specific. For art though, you can find this on Heraldry, and you can also find it in Pottery too, like we mentioned earlier. But honestly, independent art is where it's at this week. There are some really cool and really creepy adaptations of them, so I really recommend these this week. In movies, we have Spy Kids 2 Island of Lost Dreams, a personal favourite, Pirates of the Caribbean, 
King Cobra, Lockjaw, Rise of the Kalev Serpent, Gods of Egypt, Godzilla, Alice in Wonderland, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Epic, Kubo and the Two Strings, Shrek, The Fly, Splice and Monster Club. For TV, we have Dragon Ball Z, Bleach, Pokemon, Digimon, Supernatural, Rim, Teen Wolf, Ultraman, Adventure Time, JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, Naruto, One Piece, Full Metal Alchemist, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Odd Squad, Power Rangers, Family Guy, Futurama, Gravity Falls, The Amazing World of Gumball, Cat Dog, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, The Owl House, Phineas and Ferb, The Simpsons, South Park, SpongeBob SquarePants, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Steven Universe, Clone High, Spliced, and Transformers. Now in video games, we have ones such as Magic the Gathering, Dark Souls, Fallout, Crash Bandicoot, Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest, God of War, Half-Life 2, Heroes of Might and Magic, Monster Hunter, No Man's Sky, Pikmin, Starcraft, Two Who Project, Castlevania, Pokemon, Spore, Adventure Quest, Borderlands 2, Mass Effect, RuneScape, Xenoblade Chronicles 10, Doom 2, Total War Warhammer, Monster Rancher, Super Mario Bros, Slime Rancher 2, Tales of Monkey Island, Viva Piñata, Warcraft and World of Warcraft. Obviously as well, do take in mind that there are so many for hybrid monsters, so I've picked probably the most popular ones that I could find, but know that this seemed like a lot, there was so much more I had to sieve through. My book recommendation this week though is for the Egyptian Mythology Bible, Discovering the Secrets of Egyptian Myths by Thomas Headland, and Egyptian Myths and Legends, Tales of Heroes, Gods and Monsters by J.K. Jackson. Both of these have great stories about Egyptian monsters, as well as gods, myths and heroes, which of course are all still super interesting too. But now it's time for... Do I think they existed? No. I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. The only thing that might even possibly sway me to this is the whole Egyptians were really good at identifying animal things. But the rest? Crazy. I love that they are committed enough to make them an icon for royalty and all of that, but I really don't believe the griffin existed either, and that one is so much more believable. What did they expect for this one? I will say though, I do love how they have this heraldry background, and I love the ancient Egyptian mythology rule of hybrids everywhere. It's difficult for me to say no to this when their gods are actually hybrids too. So in terms of ancient Egyptians, I'm sure this one was completely believable. Right now though, not so much. I do think it's a really cool monster though, and I'm grateful that this either never existed or is long dead because imagine a lion being able to fully extend its neck 20 foot. I'm pretty sure that's nightmare fuel. And to be honest, the idea of it being a periscope definitely lightens the mood, and the image of it is really quite funny to me. Just with his little head at the top looking for birds. But what do you think? Did the serpapod roam the sands of Egypt and Arabia? Let me know on Twitter. I would love to know what you think about this one. A super interesting hybrid monster this week 
I really enjoyed this. It was one of the more literal hybrids that we have to cover, and it certainly didn't let us down in terms of weirdness and actually something a little bit different from ancient Egypt. Next week, though, we're heading over to the lovely Japan to look at a horrible urban legend that you might have heard of growing up in the 2000s like me. But make sure you don't talk to any ladies in medical masks that you don't know with the Kuchisaka honour around next Thursday, or she will get you. For now, though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky, and I'll see you later, babes.